0: Welcome to First Presbyterian Church in North Palm Beach, Florida. We exist to help people pursue and share gospel-driven lives. We hope, whether you're investigating faith, a seasoned follower of Jesus, and anywhere in between, this podcast helps you connect with Jesus. We're going to read together Isaiah 9, 2 through 7, and just spend a few moments reflecting on what that text says. Uh, for us on this Christmas day. So listen as I read the passage. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. His authority shall grow continually and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, as we sit here this morning on this Christmas day... We pray that as we reflect on this passage... ...that you are here with us... ...that your spirit would speak to us... ...and that we in our hearts would rejoice. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Recently the Soweto Gospel Choir was in town. So uh, my wife and we took one of our daughters Ellie... ...to go see them perform. And it was the last stop on their three-month tour... ...in North America... We were in a very small theater as they began to sing, and it was an incredible experience, I would say, first. But as they began, the choir leader came out and shared a few uh, moments or tidbits with us. And what he said struck me. The first half of their show was in six of the 11 national languages of South Africa. And he said as they began that you will not understand the language, but we hope that as we sing these songs to you, you will understand the feeling. And I've been thinking about that comment as I've reflected on on this text for today. This Isaiah 9 text is rooted in history. We look at it with Western eyes that are trained to see the hope of Jesus in this passage... But these are also real people and real events that Isaiah is talking about. The passage reflects on a time of despair for Israel. This little nation stands under the Assyrians. The same Assyrians who dragged captives away with hooks in their mouths. One of the cruelest and violent nations of war in world history. The despair and oppression for this little nation Israel was real. This message that Isaiah was giving was a message to a people who were suffering. A people who understood what it means to walk in darkness. There was a moment when the choir was performing the other night where they were singing a song and it was very intense. There was lots of repetition, but, and again, I couldn't understand the words, but the feeling I was getting was there was something off. There was something haunting about this song and after the song the audience including me applauded but the feeling i had was that applause was not what one should do after the song that they had just sung, and i didn't understand why but afterwards i looked up the song and the translated lyrics the lyrics repeated over and over again said this they will run away they will run away they will run away they will run away We'll shoot them with guns, and they'll run away. We'll shoot them with guns. We'll shoot them with guns. They are running away. We have conquered them. The people of South Africa and the people of this choir know what walking in darkness is and living in deep darkness. The history of South Africa and the apartheid regime and the suffering of people during this time is not far in our past. This theme of walking in darkness over and over again repeats itself throughout history. We too know what it means. To list all the ways that suffering touches us in our lives would take too long. But each of us, we know the effects of sin and death and evil and each of us have been part of the problem too. This prophecy of Isaiah applies throughout history and to all peoples, in a multitude of different contexts, because each specific instance, every nation, every name, every face, it's, an, it's evidence of a deeper problem, a problem that humanity cannot solve, a problem that we led into the world long ago in the garden we cannot defeat or deal with evil, death, and the biblical adversary. And that's what this text tells us. Isaiah 9 says, "God will be the one to break the yoke upon humanity's shoulder and the rod of our oppressor." Our text refers to this day, a day of Midian that God will work just on that day, just as he did on that day, and it reminds us of a day in Israel's past where God stepped in and clearly saved them from the Midianites. He did it in a way that it could not be doubted that it was God's act, God's action, and not something that humanity did. Isaiah says, for a child has been born to us, a son given to us. Here in the middle of the Old Testament, there is a statement of the incarnation. A statement about the second person of the trinity early evidence of what John in his gospel in the very first chapter tells us the word became flesh a child and a son the son of God and Mary's child Jesus Christ the word of God becoming like us fully God and fully human and this week as I reflected on our text I have thought about that statement from the choir leader We may not understand the language but we can understand the feeling. The incarnation, what we celebrate on Christmas, is a mystery that is impossible to explain. People have tried. Some in church history have tried to say that he wasn't really a human but he was the divine clothed to look like a man or some have said that he was a man but only an elevated type of man. Some have said he wasn't God with a big G but a God with a little G. Maybe like Hercules or something else along the lines of Greek mythology. But that is not what scripture tells us. Scripture tells us that he was fully God and fully human. And this moment that scripture talks about in the second chapter of Luke, it also is rooted in history. Luke gives us specific names, specific events, specific people in order to give this event a backdrop, help us to understand that these are real things happening in history. I've heard what, we've, what we have in the incarnation explained as a mystery and a miracle. I mean, how does a virgin give birth? How does God the creator of all things, he who holds the universe in his hand, God the one not confined by time or anything else, how does he step down into time, into the confines of humanity and become one of us, fully one of us? St. Augustine has some wonderful sermons on Christmas and in one in particular he addresses the divinity and humanity of Christ in a way that elicits our wonder and our confusion at the same time. So I just wanted to read this little excerpt out of one of his sermons. I really think he captures it and says it really well. I think it's coming up on the screen. This child, born of the father, created all ages, now born of a mother. He has commended this day. That first nativity could not possibly have had A mother, nor did the second one call for any man as a father. In a word, Christ was born of both a father and a mother, and he was born without a father and without a mother. For as God, he was born of the father, and as man, he was born of a mother. As God, he was born without a mother, and as man, he was born without a father. I just, I love that because it it just, it really highlights the mystery and miracle of this event. Here he is, the great light dawning on those living in deep darkness. The one who will shoulder the cross in order to break the yoke upon the shoulder of humanity. The one who will destroy the rod of our oppressor sin and death. The one who will one day institute a rule that will be full of peace and that will have no end. I really don't know how to explain the incarnation. It is wonderful and confusing. It is a mystery and a miracle. I can't explain how or why but it is what happened fully God and fully human. I don't know if I understand the language but I hope we will in our heart of hearts know its truth. But Christmas not only teaches us to look backwards it also teaches us to look forward. Jesus Christ has come and Jesus Christ will come again. That is the good news of this day. And that's what our passage promises. He will fix all things so that there is endless peace, that there is justice, that there is righteousness. This is the hope of Christmas. He is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, His authority shall grow continually and there shall be endless peace. For the throne of David and his kingdom, he will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The Christmas message looks straight at the darkness and despair of this world. The Christmas message does not close its eyes and just say with blind optimism, everything will be okay. It looks at the world and with with honesty says, this isn't right. And then it says, there is hope. There is hope. God has come into our mess to fix it. God is with us. God has come and God will come again. There's a beautiful poem I've read a few times this week about the Incarnation. Will you listen as I I end with it? It's called The Incarnation and it's by David Tenson. Take all your hope and longing, cover it in blood, urine, feces, straw. Cut the cord to your dreams with a field knife or clenched jaw. Here lays the king of the Jews, crowned between thighs, held in arms of exhaustion, bathed with tears, sweat, and the soft tones of a mother singing songs of deliverance between breaths, as the king of glory feeds folded at her breast. What newborn would you not bend a knee for? What laboring mother would you not make room for? Here's how God chose to be with his beloved in a state of utter surrender and dependence making his way into the world through a uterus, trading a heavenly crown for one of mucus, later finding woven thorns pushed in its place as once again God surrenders to the fullness of humanity's mess, reconciling it all to himself, counting no soul's sin against them. Let's pray. O oh God, take us in spirit to the watchful shepherds and enlarge our minds. Let us hear good tidings of great joy and hearing, believe, rejoice, praise, adore. Our conscience bathed in an ocean of repose, place us with the ox, the ass, the camel, the goat, to look with them upon our Redeemer's face and in him account ourselves delivered from sin. Let us with Simeon clasp the newborn child to our hearts, embrace him with undying faith, exalting that he is ours and we are his. In him you have given us so much that heaven can give no more. Amen. Thanks for joining us at FPC. For more info and to connect with us, check out www.firstpreznpb.org.